Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor John Lindell. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Well, tonight I want to briefly, and then we're going to go back into some worship, but I want to briefly talk to you about the power of living in God's promises, the power of living in his promises, because as we continue to seek the Lord for his help and his work in our life, um, what he will do, a part of what God wants to do is God wants to strengthen us and the way God chooses to do that, though his spirit works in us to strengthen us, what God wants to do as well is to strengthen us through his word. Because his word has an inherent power to, be, to bring strength into our lives at the point of our need. And so as you're fasting, whatever it is you're fasting for, be listening, be reading the Word of God. In fact, uh, during a fast, I think it's really good to read as much of the Bible as you can. Uh, that in itself will have a sanctifying effect on you, will have a purifying effect on you. And what I would, what I would pray for you is what I pray for myself, uh, and I would encourage you to pray for yourself. Lord, help me to love your Word. Help me to love it, not just to read it, but to love it, to, to not, you know, I mean, I don't know how many times I've read the Bible through. I'm not saying that as a point of, of merit. I'm saying it simply. I've made it a practice to read the Bible a lot, and I've, I mean, I've, I've read through it probably between, probably around 50 times, I suppose, maybe more. But what can happen is you can get familiar with it or you can find yourself just reading it and not loving it. And I think it's a real danger for any of us if we lose our first love and if we, if we lose that, that sense that this is God literally speaking to me. And that we would love the Word of God. We would approach it with a love and with an acknowledgement that this is God speaking to me. And when we do that, what happens as we're fasting and as we're encountering the various situations that all of us encounter in life where we need God's help, God's gonna speak to us, God's gonna make scripture alive to us, he's gonna give us a promise, and then what we need to do is to recognize his grace on his word in that moment to our life, and then we need to hang on to that promise. I know uh, several years ago, and I've told this before, but it's, it's probably 16 years ago, for the only time in my 30 years at James River, I hit a moment where really it just took the wind out of my sails and I really lost my heart for the battle. And it wasn't momentary, and that's what really bothered me. It, it was something that I could just tell. I just, I just had lost my heart. It's very hard to preach when you've lost your heart for the battle. It's very hard to lead when you've lost your heart for the battle. And the Lord kept, you know, in my heart, during this time, sometimes what happens to us is if we get way, way down, then we find ourselves, um, you know, not being as quick to respond to the prompting of the Lord. You can get so low that you're not quick to respond. And, and that can happen, and we have to guard against that. 
Because when the Lord is speaking to us and prompting us, the sooner we act, the sooner we receive. The sooner we respond to him, the sooner we see him work in our life. So I put on my heart Psalm 18, and, and just, I just felt this prompting to read it. And honestly, I delayed it a, a couple of days on that. I was still doing my Bible reading, but I wasn't going and just thoughtfully meditating on that. And so I did, and as I was reading through it, I came to Psalm 18 and verse 39, where it says, for you have equipped me with strength for the battle. And instantly, when I read that scripture, um, it came alive to me in such a way that as I read it, I could actually feel strength coming in to my, my spirit. So what happened was, as a result of that, I would take post-it notes, and I had post-it notes on my bathroom mirror, I had them on my computer monitor, I had them in my, in my pickup uh, on the dash, I had it everywhere I would ever look, and I can remember many Sundays standing on the front row, at that time we would stand down here in the center, and standing there and just realizing, because especially at, that, at moments where you need to be strong, that's the moment the enemy wants to make you think you're not, and just feeling like, Lord, I, I need your strength. And then I would start quoting that. You've equipped me with strength for the battle. You've equipped me with strength for the battle. And as I would say that, I could literally feel the strength of the, of the Lord coming into my life. That's, that's the way a promise works in our life as we live in it, as we think on it, as we quote it, as we celebrate it to the Lord, as we respond to the word of God, God works in that way. In fact, one of the things that Peter tells us in 2 Peter is this, that Peter tells us that he has given us a part of our inheritance is the promises that God gives to every believer. When you became a Christian, all of a sudden, you have inherited the promises of God. They are yours. Look at this. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. When, when, there, when you come across a promise in scripture, it's great, it's powerful, it's precious. There's a spiritual weight on it uh, that is beyond the actual words themselves because God's word is alive, it is living, it's active, it, it has an, a divine energy to it. And a part of our inheritance, a part of being a Christian is that we have access to the promises of God. These are the promises, watch this, that enable you to share his divine nature. In other words, what happens is the promises of God have the ability to unlock the, the nature of Christ to transform us into the image of Jesus. They're very, very powerful. They grow us. They strengthen us. They mature us. They direct us. They empower us. The promises of God, that's why they're precious. That's why they're great. But the fact of the matter is, we can have a Bible full of promises that are incredibly powerful and never access them. There are many Christians who are in a battle, they're in a struggle, but they've not accessed the strength that would be theirs through a promise appropriately applied under the anointing of the Holy Spirit to their life. 
So there are promises. They're great. They're precious. They're a part of our inheritance. They will do much for us and much in us. But if we don't possess them, we experience very little. So how do you and I possess the promises of God? Let me give you just quickly three things. First of all, we possess a promise when the Holy Spirit speaks it to our heart. Jesus said this to the disciples, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. Then it says, he will bring glory to me by taking what is mine and making it known to you. So the, the, the Lord wants to strengthen you. And what does he do? He takes his word. He takes what is his. The Holy Spirit illuminates it to us. And instantly, that verse becomes more than words. That verse becomes more than a verse that we enjoy, we appreciate. But in that moment, that verse becomes a lifeline. It becomes a lifesaver when you feel like you're drowning out on the sea of those problems. And all of a sudden, that becomes a point of strength, a point of refuge, a point of security for you. And God speaks. You may have somebody that writes you a text or sends you a note or calls you and says, I've been thinking of you, I've been praying for you, and this verse keeps coming to my mind. You may have somebody that, you may have the Lord speak to your heart. You may be, I, I think it is certainly within the realm of, of practice to just simply take and open the Psalms. If you're, if you're saying, I don't know my Bible very well, John, and I don't know where to start, but I need the Lord to help me. Just begin to read the Psalms. And don't stop till you get the promise. So what if you have to read a day or two? If you come to a verse that changes your life, it's worth it. This is part of spending time with the Lord during a fast. We're praying, but part of what we're doing is we're just being with the Lord, and a part of being with the Lord is being in his word. And as we're in his word, we're saying, God, help me to love your word, and Lord, speak to me through your word. And if you're in a problem, begin to read the Psalms and let God give you a word because the Psalms are full of them. What happens is whenever he speaks to us and whenever, and this is a part of what makes the, the promises so great and so precious is within every promise, it, there is within that promise, the power of God that can be released in our life. And God knows exactly what we need. In fact, settle it in your mind, this, that inherent in every promise is the power of God to bring to pass what that promise says about your life. I, I talked about it a few weeks ago in Luke chapter 1 and verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. That's what the angel Gabriel said to Mary. So Mary is saying, you know, how can this be? How can what you're saying happen? 
and the angel says, for nothing will be impossible with God. Literally in the Greek, it's for nothing will be impossible with any rhema from God. So logos is a general word from God. Rhema is a specific word from God. So any promise in that moment energized by the Holy Spirit is, is literally a rhema word to you. It's a specific word from God to you. And anytime there's a rhema, in, with that rhema, with that God, with that direct word to you, there is power to accomplish what that word says. Every promise of God is embedded with power. Number two, in order to possess a promise of God, we must demonstrate a practical trust in the word of God. For example, and you say, well, how would you do that? This is not complicated, but it requires a measure of faith because um, what we have to do is we have to practically apply it to our life. So in my situation, Psalm 1839, anytime I began to feel weak, anytime I began to feel like, wow, you know, I still don't have the wind in my sails. I'm used to having, you know, all of this inner internal enthusiasm and zeal over what God is doing. And I realize right now I don't have it. So any moment I sensed that, any moment I felt like I didn't have the strength that God would want me to have in that moment, then I would begin to quote that word. In other words, what that requires is faith. And when you least feel like quoting it is when you most need to be quoting it. When, when you least feel like looking at the word of God is when you desperately need to be looking at the word of God. When we least feel like being in his presence is when we most need to be in his presence. So what trips up a lot of people is they begin to say, well, I don't know how that'll help or I don't feel like doing that. And what happens is they let their feelings keep them from doing the thing they know with their heart and that their spirit is calling them to do and the Holy Spirit is calling them to do that would make every difference in their life. So there, there it requires that you and I say, listen, I'm going to practically apply the word of God to my life. You don't have to understand how that's going to work. Now, sometimes God's going to give you a promise and you're going to say, wow, I don't know how that would happen but you need to believe it nonetheless. You don't have to understand how God's going to work and you don't have to understand how the promise is gonna work things out for you in order to benefit from the power that's inherent in the promise. I mean, it's a lot like electricity. I don't have to understand how electricity works uh, to benefit from it. All I have to do is turn on the switch. I was with an electrician at our house a couple days ago and he was, tearing into a box and he was asking me, which is really, I mean, ridiculous because I would have no idea. So he's like, well, where do you think this goes? I just, I just looked at him and smiled. And I said, you know what? I'm going to look a lot smarter to you if I don't answer that question. He laughed. He said, you're right. So... Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps his mouth shut. That's what the writer of Proverbs says. Number three, <laughs> in order to possess a promise, we should expect it will be challenged in our life. Here's what you have to understand is the enemy is always going to challenge every work of God in your life. 
So you get saved, am I really saved? You get, you get filled with the Spirit, is that really me or is that, is that am I just making up those words? Um, you know, you, you get healed, am I really healed? That can really happen. Where people begin to have, because the enemy challenges every work of God and every word of God in our life. You know, you're sitting in a service, God speaks to your heart, but then you get up the next morning and you're like, I wonder if that was really real. I wonder if, was I hearing right? That's, that's the enemy who is challenging the work of God and the word of God in our life. And that's why when God gives us a promise, we have to expect that the enemy's gonna challenge that and we have to be ready for that. I mean, we see it in the life of Jesus. Jesus is, is baptized in the Jordan River and the Spirit of God descends on him like a dove and the, you know, the heavens are opened and the Father speaks and says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Then the Bible says immediately the Spirit in Mark's Gospel drove him out into the wilderness where he was tempted for 40 days by the devil. And the first temptation that the Bible records for us is, is what? It's like Satan comes to him and says, if you're really the Son of God, what's he challenging? God just said, you're my beloved son. And Satan's saying, well, if you really are, I mean, I don't, I don't get how you could be his son if he's a good God and you're out here starving in the wilderness. And, and so if you really are, it would look to me like you could turn the rocks into loaves of bread. So it's a classic example of how the enemy works. He comes to cause us to question the promise of God, the words of God, the power of God, the love of God, the care of God. Well, if God really loved you, why are you going through this? If God really does, if God really heals, then why did, why did he heal that person over there? Listen, those things, when we begin to move down that, that track, we're gonna find ourselves doubting God more than believing God. We're gonna find ourselves reasoning ourselves away from the supernatural work of God in our life. At some point we have to say, you know what? There are things I don't understand and what I don't understand, I rest with the Lord by faith, knowing someday I'll understand, but I believe what the word says and I believe in the power of God and I believe in a good God and I believe that God does things in answer to prayer and I believe in the promises of God and I believe that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I would ask or imagine and I'm gonna rest in the Lord. I'm going to believe God. The promises of God. If you have tonight a situation where, you, where you're, you're in an ongoing battle, ask God to give you a promise. And again, I would suggest you read the first 40 chapters of the Psalms, and I promise you, you'll find a promise somewhere in there. That God will give you something that will strengthen your spirit that will encourage your heart, that will give you a spiritual stability in the midst of that challenge. The enemy may try to attack it, but you hang on to it and you say, listen, Jesus said to, to the devil, it is written. So when that's challenged, when you feel like you're not strong and that, to use that example again, uh, for he's equipped me with strength for the battle. He has already done it. It's already happened. It's already there. If I, if I as I start saying it, I feel strong. And that's what the promise will do for you. Saints, 
throughout the ages have always known this to be true. I love what Thomas Watson, the Puritan, says. And I've quoted it before. I just think it's such a great quote. Trade much in the promises. The promises are great supports to faith. Faith lives in a promise as the fish lives in the water. The promises are both comforting and quickening. The promises of God are lifesavers to keep us from sinking when we come to the waters of affliction. The promises are sweet clusters of grapes that grow upon Christ, the true vine. Oh, trade much in the promises. There is no condition that you can be in, but you have a promise. Isn't that great? The Lord wants to give you a promise, and during this fast, let him give you something in the midst of the fast that will strengthen you now and beyond the fast until the power of that promise creates the reality in your life of God's blessing, God's solution, God's resolution to the problem that you're facing. That's what God wants to do in your life. Hang on to the promises. Ask God for a promise. Read the Word of God. Let the Lord speak to you. Let, him, let Jesus take what is His and give it to you by the power of His Holy Spirit through a promise. Amen?